Hello. Welcome to Science Factual. Prepare yourself for factual download. Sequence commencing. What in the 90s alternative guitar riffs is going on here? Grab your nostalgia hats for this week's dive into Animorphs, taking a look at both the books and television series. Hi, I'm your host, Reese Hendrick, and welcome to Science Factual, the show that dives into the facts behind your favorite science fiction. This week's episode comes as a suggestion from guest comedian David Kildall. We met up before a comedy open mic in Portland to talk about Animorphs and other things. Make sure you stick around till the end of this episode for a super funny set from David's recent performance competing in Portland's Funniest Person competition being held at Helium Comedy Club. Check out their site for info on upcoming contest dates and other performances. Uh, what's that now? Sounds like an incoming... Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! And this is a heavy one because although I won't be going over the plot points book by book, I will be revealing some deeper connections between characters and talking about how the show and books are different. So if you're like me and it's been since your childhood, since you've read any Animorphs or seen the show, this may be a good time to pause this episode and refamiliarize yourself via Animorphs.Fandom.com or catch the series on Amazon Prime Video before going any further. Alrighty, let's morph into a factopus and get our tentacles ready for some fact-grabbing. That looks a lot better on paper than it sounds. But before we do any morphing, here's Jake with a quick synopsis about the show. Hi, my name's Jake. I thought I knew who I was. A kid who liked to do normal things. You know, go to school, play video games, hang out with my friends. But the other night, my whole life changed when my friends and I were given the power to morph. You know, change shapes, become animals. So now Marco... Cassie, Tobias, my cousin Rachel and I can become dogs, cats, tigers, hawks, anything. Pretty cool, right? Not when you're the only thing between a bunch of mind-controlling alien yurks in the end of the world. You can't tell anybody, because you never know who's a yurk and who's not. All I know is, now I'm an animal. Thanks, Jake, for that overview, but I'm pretty sure we're going to need a little bit more insight than that. Animorphs is a science fantasy series of children's books written by Catherine Applegate and her husband Michael Grant, writing together under the name K.A. Applegate and published by Scholastic. Now, I'm not sure why this gets listed as science fantasy, what with the alien technology and interstellar war and all. Uh, It sure seems like a piece of pure science fiction to me, but hey, what do I know? I only run a podcast about science fiction. The stories are told in first person, with all six main characters taking turns narrating the books through their own perspectives. Horror, war, dehumanization, sanity, morality, innocence, leadership, freedom, family, and growing up are the core themes of the series. The series was originally conceived as a three-part series called The Changelings, in which Jake was named Matt and his little brother Joseph took the place of Cassie. Published between June 1996 and May of 2001, the series consists of 54 books and includes 10 companion books, eight of which fit into the series' continuity. The Animorphs Chronicles and Megamorph books, and two that are game books not fitting into the continuity, known as the Alternomorphs books. The books were adapted into a television series of the same name on Nickelodeon, YTV, and Global Television Network, which ran from 1998 to 1999. As a quick aside, a lot of those interiors were sets built inside a brewery, which was turned into a television studio. That happened to be where the television series Goosebumps was also filmed.
The series has also been adapted to audiobook form, and Scholastic announced plans to launch a graphic novel adaptation of Animorphs via its Scholastic graphics imprint. The first release adapting The Invasion was released on October 6, 2020, with art by Eisner Award nominee Chris Grine. The second novel, adapting The Visitor, was released on October 5, 2021. And the third novel, adapting The Encounter, according to Amazon, will be released on October 4, 2022. There seems to be some sort of theme going on. Here's a quick overview of the main plot of the series and what the Animorphs actually are before we get into some character analysis and insights into the development and differences between the television show and the book series. The story revolves around five humans, Jake, Marco, Cassie, Rachel, and Tobias, and one alien, Aximili Esgaruth Istil, nicknamed Axe, who obtain the ability to transform into any animal they touch. Naming themselves Animorphs, a portmanteau of animal morphers, they use their ability to battle a secret alien infiltration of Earth by a parasitic race of aliens resembling large slugs called Yurks that can take any living creature as a host by entering and merging with its own brain through the ear canal. The Animorphs fight as a guerrilla force against the Yurks who are led by Visser III. Throughout the series, the Animorphs carefully protect their identities. The Yurks assume that the Animorphs are a strike force sent by the Andalites, the alien race to which Axe belongs that created the transformation technology, to prevent them from conquering Earth. To protect their families from Yurk reprisals, the Animorphs maintain this facade. Though the Animorphs can assume the form of any animal they touch to acquire the DNA, there are several limitations to the ability. The most vital is that they cannot stay in animal form for more than two hours or they will be unable to return to human form and the morphs become permanent. Others include having to demorph back to human in between morphs, only tight clothing being able to be carried over with a morph, and having to consistently maintain concentration during a morph to prevent the animal's natural instincts from overwhelming their human intellect. A benefit to morphing is that it allows the team to heal any superficial, non-genetic injury sustained as a human or in a morph. Also, while in morph, they can telepathically communicate with anyone nearby in what they call thought speak. Throughout the series, they go on a number of adventures in order to protect the Earth from the Yurk invasion. Alright, how about we get into the Animorphs themselves? We're going to start with Jake, who's played by Sean Ashmore in the television series. Jake Berenson is the leader of the Animorphs. Despite being a natural at it, he's very reluctant to lead the team, though he ultimately accepts the role. The war takes on a deeper meaning for Jake when he finds out that his older brother Tom has been infested by a Yurk. It is also one of the only things that holds him together throughout the series. If not for that, he would probably crack from all the pressure and life-taking decisions. He's the only member of the team to have some relationship with all of the other human members prior to the war. Jake and Rachel are cousins. He and Marco have been best friends since early childhood. He and Cassie have always had an attraction to each other, and they share their first kiss in book 26, and are in a relationship throughout the second half of the series. He is one of the few people who acknowledges Tobias and treats him with kindness. That brings us to Rachel, who's played by Brooke Levin in the TV series. Rachel has the most bloodthirsty nature in the group, earning her the nickname of Xena Warrior Princess. She's also good in gymnastics and has an interest in fashion. She's Jake's cousin and is Cassie's best friend, although her warrior nature often conflicts with Cassie's pacifistic mindset. She and Tobias develop an attraction for one another during the series. Speaking of Tobias, he's played by Christopher Ralph in the television series. Tobias has a low self-esteem and was often bullied in school before becoming an Animorph. With both his parents dead, he lives with his aunt and uncle who share custody of him. Tobias becomes trapped in a red-tailed hawk form in the first book. During the series, he regains the power to morph, but his natural form is now a hawk. Even though Rachel wants him to morph back into a human and stay human for more than two hours, he remains in the form of a red-tailed hawk because permanently returning to the form of a human would incapacitate him from fighting the Yurks. Tobias admires Jake because Jake always showed him respect and kindness when no one else did. Also, Tobias develops a close friendship with Axe. By the way, Nothlet is a word in the Andalite language, and we're going to get to the Andalites in a minute, that describes one who has passed the two-hour morph time limit and has become trapped in that form. 
it is normally impossible to regain morphing ability afterwards. Two exceptions to this are Tobias and Elfangor, both regaining their forms with the Elemis aid. A third is Cassie, whose morphing ability was quote-unquote jump-started by the metamorphosis from caterpillar to butterfly, the naturally occurring morphing resetting the morphing clock in her. Nothlets who become so by choice are often shunned by Andalite society, accidental Nothlets to a lesser degree. The Animorphs at several times have avoided becoming Nothlets, but Tobias failed, starting in just the first book, The Invasion. Major spoiler alert about Tobias, by the way, but readers don't know it at the beginning of the series that Tobias is actually the son of Prince Elfangor, the Andalite who gives the kids their ability to morph. And while that scene is great, it's also incredibly traumatic. Shortly after they meet Elfangor, the kids have to watch him be devoured by Visser III, with the Andalite screaming into their minds as he dies. So when Tobias discovers that Elfangor was actually his father in The Pretender, it's a double shock. Not only is his father dead, but Tobias watched his father perish to save him and his friends. Why is Tobias a human and not an Andalite? Excellent question. He got it from his mama! Up next we have Cassie, who's played by Nadia Nascimento. Cassie lives on a farm with her parents, who are veterinarians. She's the most knowledgeable about animals, and she's an environmentalist. Her best friend is Rachel, despite the disparity in their personalities and lifestyles. Cassie is also an estrine, the Andalite term for someone who is naturally talented at morphing. The final human team member is Marco, who's played by Boris Cabrera on the television show. Marco is the source of comic relief in the series and Jake's best friend. He also coined the term Animorphs. Marco often proposes the most direct solution to any problem, even if it involves sacrifice. He lives with his father, who's depressed about his mother's death, which happened in a boating accident. At first, he does not want to fight the Yurks because he fears his father will not survive without him. He redecides when he finds out his mother is still alive, but the host body for Visser 1, which is the leader of the Yurk invasion. Bum bum bum! Then we have the Andalite team member Aximili Escaruth Istil, or Axe, played by the awesome Paulo Costanzo. Aximili Escaruth Istil is an Andalite who is thought to be the only survivor of a bloody battle that took place in outer space. His ship has crash-landed on Earth. He's the younger brother of Prince Elfangor's Serenial Shamtul. He considers Jacob Prince and is a strong friend of Tobias. The human Animorphs call him Axe for the sake of easily pronouncing his name. Now, we can't talk about Animorph characters without getting into the main baddies, including the Yurks. Uh, they're the main antagonists, described as small, slug-like parasites that enter various organisms' brains to control their behavior. They are dependent upon Candrona rays to survive, and must leave their hosts every three days in order to enter a Yurk pool where they may absorb these rays. The most notable Yurk in the series is Visser III, born as Esplin 9466 Primary and later promoted to Visser I. They're the leader of the Yurk forces on Earth and the primary antagonist of the series. They believe the planet was their inheritance from Edris 562, whose status was then Visser I of the time. Sadistic and cruel, Three has a penchant for torture and almost totally possesses the body of a full-grown Andalite warrior, Aloran Semitur Karas. Esplin 9466 is the only Yurk which has an Andalite host. Therefore, Visser III also has the Andalite's ability to change its shape. They later are elevated to the status of Visser I. Then we have the Elemist. He's not necessarily a bad guy, but seemingly all-powerful, a supernatural being which intermittently helps the Animorphs, including giving Tobias the ability to morph again. He acts to avoid direct involvement in the war to escape antagonizing Kryak, his evil counterpart, because that combat would cause galactic destruction. He subtly orchestrated many events which are key to the series, not making him a bad guy again per se, but definitely manipulative to his own benefit. Then we have the aforementioned Kryak, that's Elemis' archenemy which seeks absolute control over all intelligent life. He develops a personal vendetta against Jake after Jake ruins his species of soldiers, the Howlers. Elemis claims that Kryak originated in another galaxy from where a greater power drove him out. The Elemis Chronicles details Kryak's early conflict with Elemis prior to the evolution of both beings to acquire seemingly limitless power. That's one of those ancillary novel series that was mentioned before. There are a lot of other characters throughout the various books, but those are the main players of note. Speaking of the novels, many of the books from the number 25 to number 52 range were written by ghostwriters. Typically, K.A. Applegate would write a detailed outline for each book, and a ghostwriter, usually one of Applegate's former editors or writing protégés, would spend a month or two writing the actual novel. 
After this, Applegate and later her series editor Tanya Alicia Martin would edit the book to make it fit in with the series' tight continuity. Ghostwriters are credited for their help in the book's dedication page. Quote, the author would like to thank Ghostwriter Name here for his or her help in preparing this manuscript. The only books in this range fully written by Applegate herself are number 26, The Attack, and number 32, The Separation, as well as number 53, The Answer, and number 54, The Beginning, and all of the Megamorphs and Chronicles books. You can find a full list of ghostwriters on the series' Wikipedia page. Applegate originally intended to write every Animorphs book herself. However, due to many contributing factors, such as the birth of her child and the difficulties involved in writing Everworld, she ended up having a large number of the books ghostwritten. Speaking of the books, if you've read any of them, you'll likely have found them to be pretty dark. Think about it in these terms. A guerrilla war begins between five kids and a brain-wrapping worm race called the Yurks from outer space. Our Animorphers' adventures have them performing espionage and killing, repeatedly so, to safeguard the ones they love against a possible alien invasion. During this time, they're aided by a master race called the Andalites, one of whom is Axe, a centaur-like being who communicates psychically. Axe only knows what it probably learns from each of the kids' minds. Several so-called good aliens seem to prefer ignoring the human plight instead of stepping in to lend a limb. They must prefer to close the file through an intergalactic nuclear-level destruction event as opposed to simpler means. The book and graphic novel series have made it quite clear that excessive violence is a-okay. By contrast, the television show is a much lighter version which foregoes any real critical thought or dialogue and definitely avoids getting into any gore, let alone death, especially being that Rachel dies during the events of the book series. The stark differences likely have to do with the fact that K.A. Applegate was very hands-off when it came to the creation and production of the show. Take just two installments in the series by way of examples. The Extreme sees Axe killing a taxon, that's a bad worm-like alien with a penchant for gluttony, while the kids have morphed into flies. The sentence, a soft impact sound followed, like someone had dropped oatmeal on the floor, says more than those words convey. The other book is The Solution, where the Sadler-David conundrum takes place, which I won't get into right now due to lack of greater context. Readers aren't told that David allowed the other boy to perish just to acquire his organic form and take the mission forward from there, but it is implied making manslaughter an acceptable option, albeit for a rebel Animorph. Animorphs has failed to provide literary closure in the form of a great face-off between good and evil, and all that jazz. The plot proceeds at its usual blood-spattered pace, with frills and twists generously sprinkled in, but it feels like Team Animorph went from one nerve-wracking battle to the next, without any so-called last and final showdown. The audience was left expecting a massive ending, something that would culminate in an epic battle but it never came. I'm fairly certain some of my abandonment issues stem from that lack of closure in this particular series. Hey, check out this awesome interview with Portland comedian David Kildall. We met up to talk Animorphs before the weekly comedy open mic at Haymaker in North Portland, hosted by the very awesome duo Amanda Lynn Deal and Jamie Carbone. If you're a fan of living your best life, laughing at Portland's funniest comedians, and loving amazing food and beer, then make your way down to Haymaker, you know? So what is it that you do? So these days I work in accounting okay. for my company. I'm not like a CPA, I just like our company's finance department, kind of like take invoices and send refunds and check stubs and a whole bunch of different things. A lot of spreadsheets and... Is that where the majority of your material comes from? No. <laughs> not, not hardly. Well, when I started comedy, I was unemployed. And then I was working in customer service for like two and a half years. And then I switched to uh, the finance team, which is like a million times better than working in customer service. You know, I, I have to hand it to comedians because we there are a lot of us who are unemployed yet still manage to get beers at Mike's and right. go to like five a week at least uh -huh. and get around and stuff. I, it's impressive. It's all about the side hustle in 2022. Uh, well, folks, here I'm, I'm here uh, sat with David Kildall. Hi, David. Hey, how's it going? It's going, man. Thanks for thanks for joining me. We're going to oh, talk yeah. about Animorphs. Stoked to be here. Yeah. We're, uh, we're sat outside of Haymaker. We're going to do the mic here in a little bit, but uh, Haymaker, Bar, and lounge and grill and it's none of those things uh eater, they have a grill eat, probably yeah i'm sure, I'm sure yeah. they do yeah but uh pu public eatery 
public house? Yeah, I'd I'd it's, I'd put it on like a level above like a dive bar for sure. Okay, but that seems like an insult. But it's like it's they, their food there is very good. It's and no it's no Yam Hill Pub. No, no. That's yeah. I, I would say that's the ultimate Portland dive bar. Yeah, at least downtown. Oh, it's yeah, it's it's legendary. Yeah. I used to work across the street from the Yam Hill Pub. Okay, and I never went in. I used to work at the Semler Building. Just down the like you know kitty corner to it like to Yam Hill there where okay the, yeah 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 you know, where the, where the Max Transit wraps oh, yeah. around yeah Morris and Yam Hill and and Oak there also fuck the Max I fucking oh, hate, I yeah. hate I hate them I used to be I used to take the Max every day oh this guy's nerding out on my stickers for a second oh my my car attracts a lot of nerds oh really uh, which is a good and a bad thing I uh-huh. mean it's it's a good thing because then I get to talk to people about the podcast and like you know what they nerd out about and stuff it's a bad thing when I'm trying to go somewhere and somebody who doesn't pick up on social cues has me locked into a conversation oh, yeah. about the finer points of Doctor Who and it's like you know hey um, love it uh huh did a great episode on it with Danielle Porter, which I'll have to pick back up again because it is so vast, but you find yourself having this, like, you know, 20 minutes later, you're like, oh, shit, like, I've missed what now what I had to do. Right. It's like, oh, it's finally one of us. Right. Hey, can, we, can I just stop you? Yeah. yeah. That, this, that this vehicle that's designed to take you somewhere else, um, can we just, like, keep you here indefinitely while I just spill my, it happens. my knowledge? It happens. Yeah. But I do love my fellow nerds. Uh, before we get started on Animorphs, though, uh, David, what's your Instagram? On my Instagram, it's at David Kildall, just my name, uh, David, K-I-L-D-A-L. That's my last name. That is, what, that's, is that Scandinavian? Yeah. Some it's, sort of Nordic it's kind Nor- of thing? Norwegian. Yeah, Norwegian. Yeah. Okay. Goddamn Ouija's coming over here mm-hmm. and taking our, oh, sorry. I, uh, that's a Doug Stanhope bit. Oh, um, okay. Love Doug Stanhope. He's a goat. So, uh, what's your first exposure to sci-fi? Like, what's the first thing that you can think of that was sci-fi yeah, related that I, uh, influenced you? It's, uh, I don't know my very first exposure, but I definitely, like, Star Wars was the big one. Star Wars is the front runner. Star Wars and, uh, Phantom Menace came out, that was 99, so mm-hmm. I was, like, five mm-hmm. or six years old then, so that was, like, right at that pivotal Sorry. moment where we were just, like, this is my everything now. Totally. this thing and like obviously like it's the phantom menace is notoriously like you know cheesy boring but i that was everything at the moment like i love star wars i like it was the first movie in over 20 years oh yeah and i mean i i went to i was nine i went to see it in theaters mm-hmm. and uh like you know in my robes didn't quite have i got the darth maul dual-sided oh, yeah. lightsaber for christmas uh-huh. that year uh even though we're jewish <laughs> because that is not a Hanukkah gift. That's very much a Christmas gift. And I'm, oh, the, yeah. I'm, the bo- I'm born the day after Christmas. Oh, nice. So I always got like one solid Christmas slash birthday gift. Yeah. And that year it was the dual sided oh, Darth Maul lightsaber, which I promptly broke within a month. Yeah. But it was fun while it lasted. Oh, yeah. And, and, and he's, that's the coolest lightsaber, the coolest character. Oh, yeah. oh for sure, he's. Yeah. I also I remember uh, Anakin Skywalker, like the, the character in that movie is just. So annoying, but as, when I was a little kid, he was like my role model. I was like, I want to be just like him. Yeah, I wish I had midichlorian levels that high. And I could just like fly pod racer and. Uh, Did you ever play the pod yeah. racing and oh. sixty four game? Oh yeah. Yeah. I was terrible at it, but I I played it. When my parents were getting divorced, my father tried to win my affection by renting N sixty fours from Blockbuster, <laughs> <laughs> along with yeah you know, games. And, and one of them that we got was the pod racing game, and that shit was toy. That was a, that was a fun game. Yeah, those um, those Star Wars games were great. And I think my other big thing about as a kid in like sci fi Star Wars was uh, like I was raised very religious. Okay. Um, which definitely affected like which, our, which, which religion? Uh, evangelical Christianity. Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, you know it's whatever. Right? But like, <laughs> and it definitely like religion like it did had like a big influence on our pop culture choices. Mm. Um, but it was funny. Like I guess Star Wars was permissible. But it was funny. I remember like one night I was like four or five. Like after church, got out. I was in my family's car. I was like, I believe in the Force. Yeah. And that was a fun conversation. That was like my first step towards atheism or whatever. At least how they perceived it is like we need to baptize this child. Yeah. Before he turns. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, 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 I've, I've heard that 
trope, not to reduce it to that, but I've heard that many times from people, like, certain sci-fi is permissible. Mm -hmm. Like, certain religious cults, like Heaven's Gate, were super into Star Trek. Logan Lockmiller was mm -hmm. raised, uh, at, you know, in the Church of Latter-day Saints, and he was super into Battlestar Galactica, who was written by a Mormon and has a lot of, like, Mormon overtones yeah. and its symbology and, and, mm -hmm. and verbiage. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely interesting, but I don't see any religious uh, connotations to what we're here to talk about, which is Animorphs. No, yeah, Animorphs. That is, that is just pure alien race visiting Earth and being like, hey, group of random preteens, mm -hmm. here's a crazy power. Yeah. I'm going to leave it to you to save your planet. Right. Which is ultimately insignificant in a larger war, but really it is significant because otherwise yeah. it wouldn't be a story. And, and, I don't know, you're giving these incredible powers to middle schoolers. It's, yeah. That totally alters whatever narrative. And there's no know. learning curve? No. They're just like, hey. W within minutes of receiving the power, Jake transforms into a golden retriever. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and I guess it, it is, you know, described a little bit more in detail in the book. That, that brings me to another question, like, books or TV show, which one did you have first exposure to with Animorphs? Oh, definitely the books. Yeah. I didn't know that there really was a TV show for okay. a long time. I guess it was, it came out, like, what, like, 98? Yeah, yep. And, so... Yeah, 98. And, you know, I, I, for me, though, like, I went from books directly to thumbing through television and being like, oh, shit, like, there's a TV show? That's crazy. Yeah. So I, I, it was it was almost concurrent for me, but I definitely books first at the reading bus or whatever those were. You know, like the mobile libraries that would come yeah, to school. Yeah, the, the you know? book fairs. Book fairs. Oh, sure. I love. Yeah. I live for book fair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, book fair was the shit. Um, you get really cool erasers, and like for us, like if you would do quizzes and stuff, you could get like the moon bouncy mm -hmm. balls that look like a meteor, and then like the first time you threw it, it would go off in a different direction. You never see yeah. it again. Yeah, all that really useful stuff that was produced in the 90s. Yeah, no, dude, bo book fairs were the shit. There are a lot of books, actually. There are 54 of 54, them. 54, yeah. yeah. Uh, ten companion books, eight of which are like the Animorph Chronicles and Megamorph books. I never read any of the Megamorphs. And then uh, there's the Alternamorphs. That sounds very 2022. Mm. Um, and not to mention the Andalite Chronicles with, and I always fuck this up, Elfangor. I think so. I want to say that's yeah. correct. Axe is the more prevalent Andalite in the right. series, for sure. Uh -huh. I guess that brings me to my next question, which is, who's your favorite character? And, uh. and we can we we'll, we can keep it. I mean, like, not that there are different characters in the television series, mm -hmm. but they didn't cast the same kids that you see on the cover in the TV right. series. Although they do look relatively similar. I I think I like my favorite is Tobias. Same thing. It's my favorite. It's my favorite name because mm. it's it's unique and like now it's like I associate it with Tobias Funke from Arrested Development. It's like it's easy to for me to hear it and be like, oh yeah, I like that. But are you also, a never nude? Oh, I'm not a never nude. Well, <laughs> I I may or may not be a no. no I, yeah, no, I get I get naked in the shower. To okay, clean. that's good. <laughs> that's good. That's your well-adjusted human. And that's David. all you'll ever see. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love Tobias too. I love that he was his. He's a unique character. He's trapped in a hawk. But for me, I, for whatever reason, before rewatching the series, I had the Mandela effect in my head that he was an osprey. Mm-hmm. And I think that he may be an osprey in the book. Yeah. But in the TV series, he's a hawk, yeah. and I guess they're easier to train. Uh huh. So I mean, that's you know that could yeah, certainly translate that definitely makes a lot of sense have you seen any of the tv show i so i've never really watched through it okay I, like i've seen bits and pieces i uh before recording before in, in preparation i watched some like youtube some deep youtube dives oh sure so yeah. like to kind of i bet those know, were fun Where my interest it's fun to hear yeah. other people's perspectives on the show but uh some people get deep with it oh yeah because it is a pretty surface mm-hmm I mean, like, and the writing and, and writers, because there's a vast amount of writers. Mm -hmm. It's not just K.A. Applegate or her husband as a team. Like, at, you know, toward the end, and for some of the Chronicle books, like, there were just flat-out ghost writers. Right. Like, close to, like, two dozen almost. Yeah, it's definitely in that, in one of those franchises where there's just so much lore mm. and content. And, like, you know, if you're in that, if you hit it at the right angle it's just like you can explore so much of it and it opens the door to all these fun possibilities but then it you know i feel like it's a classic 
situation with a lot of sci-fi like that it's like you have that then you have like this like tv show or movie that like wasn't great but it like also well it was very 90s yes super 90s especially like this the special effects the writing the delivery from the Mm -hmm. actors i mean everything about it it reminded me of like a long Goosebumps episode. Yeah. Or, well, you know, just, like, something out of Pete and Pete, but, like... Right, like, ABC After School Special, but the kids also turn into animals, and there's also this huge conflict yeah. as well. Well, I, I'd love to see kind of a reboot now Now with what we can do with mm-hmm. CGI and stuff. Or even a game, because it'd be fun to be yeah. able to morph down into an animal and, like, do these different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's just that it is so cheesy. Like, how can you yeah. morph it? How can you anamorph it into something else? I don't. I don't know that you can. So I, I think this one might well be left alone, yeah, and for good reason. Well, I, I read at least one, one of the videos they were spe- speculating that there was an anamorphs movie reboot or something, which mm-hmm. I don't think I would be in, into. I feel like if you're gonna do this, definitely like a series. I think the time may have passed. Good, but yeah, it, it must have. It must have. I, I, don't, I don't see any, like, market interest, especially with, like, through fucking Phase 12 Marvel planned right. out already, because they're just going to continue to shove that down our throats. So, your favorite character is Tobias. Who do you identify with the most, if not the same person? Oh, yeah, definitely Tobias. It made me think, like, if I was a middle schooler who had in- inherited these powers, and, like, one of the stipulations is, like, you have to change back after two hours or else you're stuck as that animal. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, I would for sure get stuck. On purpose. Did he get stuck on purpose? Um, He's like, I want to be a bird. I, I think that it was an impulse decision that he initially regretted. Yeah. But then learned to live with. And there are instances throughout the show and the books where they encounter different characters or alternate realities where he is oh, yeah, yeah. a boy again. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely see the appeal. I just wouldn't want my pussy and my asshole in the same place. Right, that would be kind of kind of that wild would be weird. Wacky. Yeah, it's, it's it's a young adult kids series. Uh, yeah, so they're, okay, they're know, not really diving they're into not, that they're part. They're not exploring yeah, the sexual that's, realm. That's too true. I don't mean to sexualize. That children. would be I whole just, not like if yeah. I'm just thinking about my personal hygiene as a hawk. <laughs> oh yeah, that's fair point. But yeah, it is interesting too because these are, you know, they're kids on the, they're hitting that, they're hitting puberty while dealing with all these things. It it is around that age, yeah. I don't know, like, when pre, when do you stop being a kid and start being a preteen? Oh, I don't know. Probably. I don't know anything about children because I've locked out my own childhood. But, like, I mean, I guess I'll have to, see, I don't want to research that either because I don't, I don't want to be on a list somewhere. Be like, when do children stop being children it's like trying to determine right. other search parameters i feel like the big turning point for me was sixth grade okay it's like i was like I, when i was in fifth grade because like like i was like as far, as late as our elementary school guy i felt like i was like the king in okay. fifth grade and then sixth yeah. grade it just always like oh i'm all the way at the bottom like well yeah that's usually the case <laughs> when you transition into any higher you know like learning level when you're right. at the last level or you're the big man on campus or big person on campus whoever Right. Um, yeah, it, and then immediately you're, you're like, thrust back into being the fucking you know yeah. lowest of the low. Yeah. One summer goes by, you're like, how did some of people? How did people get hair on their yeah, face? That's true. This is what? There was a kid who came back from sixth to seventh grade. Tom Danson, but it's not Danson because I always think it's Ted Danson. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, Tom, Tom comes back to school with like a full on like Brent Lowry style beard. Ooh. And I'm just like, good God, dude. Like, I I still am not. I mean, we're not very hairy no, people. No. I, we're, that's I, the Scandinavian I thing. I could never. Yeah, no. My yeah, my face is lame when it comes to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we can't all be so blessed. So if you had the chance to anamorph, uh-huh. and I'm going to use that as a verb, uh, because it certainly it feels like it works mm. as a verb. Uh, so if you had the chance to animorph, which animals or class of animals would your would be your go-to? And uh, you can choose a top three because yeah. I know that's a, that's a difficult thing. Like much like Tobias, I wouldn't want to necessarily be stuck as one forever. But if I had to choose one, I would probably say like some sort of avian variety. Oh yeah. Despite my prior critique, right? Simply because of the ability to just like go places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, def- I definitely go like a falcon or an eagle okay. or like a like a bird, but like a cool bird. Okay, I'd still want to be like a me-sized bird. So I don't know. I might go for like a condor. 
Yeah. Or something like that. Big bird. Yeah, I don't want to be pretty necessarily. I just want to be big. Yeah. Like, if I was going to be a dog, I'd be a Great Dane. <laughs> Albatross. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, I'd fuck with an Albatross. Yeah, they got wingspans. They're, prob they're probably other ones. We'll have to consult David Attenborough. <laughs> um, the, the giant birds. Yeah. Probably also, I'd say like a cat. Some kind of cat. That'd be kind of cool to like a big Like a big cat or like a domestic cat? Uh, or, or like a lynx or something like that. Hmm. Bob, I mean, bobcat kind of thing. I'd, I'd like to experience being a house cat for a little while. Sure. Also, probably it would be cool to experience being like a mountain lion. Yeah. Because yeah. those are just so powerful and like, you know, so cool. Yeah, I wouldn't, I, I mean, you know, again, I, I'd i want to be like a liger or something right. something majestic something like that. Powerful. Like yeah, something yeah. big enough to put a harness on so I can get mm -hmm. like some sort of He-Man Masters of the Universe type Ooh, vibe going on, you know? Yeah, that'd be cool. Just like me and the homie riding around, like, you know, solving crimes, but also I'm a huge predatory cat. Yeah. <laughs> nice. That would definitely be one. And then I want to water one. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I don't know what it would be. Dol I'd probably want to be a dolphin. Dol yeah, dolphin would be cool. Yeah. Especially one of those MK Ultra dolphins that were getting jerked off all the time. Mm. Yes. Yeah, those That's dolphins. definitely my speed. Well, then there's the thing. In this scenario, we're ourselves as adults currently so would we be oh like would we be adult animals would we be like adult well would that, okay like let's say i were to be a dog like i want to be a 30, blue whale i'm 32 right now i would be dead as fuck if i transformed into a dog oh no i'm not thinking about it that way i'm thinking about it like would you try to fuck other animals oh yeah yeah probably would that change your choices no because if I'm an an I mean, if I'm an animal, I'm gonna fuck. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I don't care what I am. If I'm an amoeba, I'm gonna try to do some sort of mitosis. What is it? I'm gonna fucking split my own cheeks. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe, yeah, maybe no, if I, I would was... just be an asexual animal. Now that I think about it, I don't know if I want to be like one of those like jellyfish or something where you just like touch things that just zap sex. I don't know. This took a weird. They, I they, they, no, that's okay. They zap sex, though. Is that? How, I don't know how jellyfish I procreate. I, I always just assumed that like part of it broke off and it like formed another jellyfish or, or something. That, I think it's like octo, octopi or squids that like they uh -huh. do like a, they've got like a tentacle thing. Yeah. Maybe it is good that these powers were granted to children. More innocent because <laughs> you could. Yeah. If you give an adult the ability to transform into an animal, they would. It's gonna fuck another. They would like the world yeah. can save itself. I'm gonna go. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Some... For sure. <laughs> well, we, and and knowing me, like I I would like I'd smoke a joint. Uh huh. And then I would transform into a condor, and I'd be flying around, and like yeah, you know, it's not like your wristwatch stays on when you transform into a condor. Mm hmm You're gonna go past the two hours, like an asshole. Just oh yeah. High flying around. And then, you know, come back down and be like, all right, I'm ready to be a human again. And then you can't. And then you can't tell anybody. Well, I, okay, it depends upon if, like, you're in that core group of friends that gets yeah. close encountered. But otherwise, it, it, can you can you just arbitrarily, te like, telepathically communicate with anybody? Or is it just that core group of yeah, people, like, that have the talent mm -hmm. or the gift bestowed upon them? Yeah, you get stuck as a bird, but then someone's like, hey, Greg's stuck as a bird. I'll just, like... I guess I'll just have his house. <laughs> sure. Yeah, the government's just going to be like, oh, he's a bird now, huh? Uh-huh. Sure. Okay. Well, uh, enjoy that house. Just pay taxes <laughs> on it. Uh, so uh, so what, are, what are your top three animals? Let's, let's do a top three. Top three animals? Top three animals. Bird, more specific, probably like uh, like a falcon. Okay. And then... Uh, falcon. Falcon. And then two, uh, mountain lion. Okay. Three, barracuda. Okay, all right, solid, uh, vicious, or like a shark or something. Okay, some some sort of sea predator. Sea predator, yeah. Okay, so basically, you want you just want to be a predator. You you want to like if you're gonna be an animal, you want to be like all right. I want to know that I'm not likely gonna be eaten or fucked with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean that's a that's a pretty solid thing. Like I I don't know. I part of me wants to be like you said, like a house cat. Like for one, I could see myself with that a condor and a, and a dolphin. They're pretty smart, and yeah. they have sex for fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then if I was a kid, I'd probably be like, lion, uh, dinosaur, mm. which I guess you well, couldn't. Yeah, you got to touch. Well, oh. Ooh. Oh, that's an interesting concept, because all you have to do is touch the or absorb the DNA. Oh, uh, yeah. Dude, you go to the Natural History Museum. Uh -huh. did, I, did they, this, they must have done that in one of these 
books. Going to a museum and touching an extinct species and then transforming into it. You know, it's been so long since I've read the books, and the the ones that I've found online are few and far between in so far as, like, being able to actually read them in between ads and pop-ups and all this other crap, and, like, they're actually being served to the site properly. Yeah. So I will have to look into that. But, conceptually... That would be pretty dope. Yeah, I'd say so. I wonder what it feels like. Because they, they kind of shrug it off a little bit, like, uh-huh. oh, it kind of hurts. But whenever you see, like, for instance, a werewolf transformation, uh-huh. there's a lot of bone cracking, there's a lot of moaning, there's a lot of, like, pain involved. Especially if you're going from a human to a fly to a whale to whatever, your guts are all sorts of fucked up. Like, uh-huh. you know, like So anatomically, it, it, it seems so fantastical and so unreasonable but we do stuff like implant animal parts and grow our parts or implantable parts on or in animals. Mm-hmm. It's not so crazy yeah. to... I mean, obviously, the power that's been you know, portrayed in the, in the series is ridiculous. But you know, I, I think that being that we're not so far away genetically from, say, pigs or chimpanzees... Right. Yeah, you know, we have a lot of weird cousins. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, People fuck them. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout out monkeypox. That's not how it happens. No. Or I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. Although I do claim to be one. So what's your favorite cheesy aspect of the show? I know we kind of talked about this earlier, but like... Oh, yeah. Mine's definitely the combo of like the 90s dialogue and the early green screen tech. Uh-huh. Yeah, where it's just like such bad image overlay. Right. That it's good somehow. Uh-huh. Very reminiscent of like the Power Rangers movie. And just uh, the secret life of Alex Mack, mm-hmm. like when she's floating around. Yeah, it's definitely in that era of like, of like, yeah, not very high. Like, it definitely does not have the special effects budget it deserves. No, in fact, that was part of the reason why it was canceled so kind of abruptly, or not, not necessarily canceled, but not renewed. And like the the series structure is like twenty episodes in the first season, six episodes in the second season. Yeah. They were like. Yeah, we're not going to pay you more to do this. So basically, the people quit. <laughs> uh, which is why the TV show is so open-ended. I mean, if you, if you really want to know more, like, everything about the series, which, listener, I know you do, definitely read the books. Like, that's that's going to yes. give you the, the more... And the uh, the Andalite Chronicles, because it's, it's a good prequel and setup for why Elfangor comes to Earth in particular, which is very much glossed over. Like, the television show fits so much in the first two episodes where it's just like oh this could very well be like its own season drawn out from multiple mm-hmm. books in and of itself because when you read the wikipedia about it like it references the events of multiple books in a 24 minute episode and it's just like i mean they were really fucking going for it yeah i think it fell by the wayside because book media was taking a hit and or a sidecar to the emergence of the internet and more and more video medium and particularly animated medium you could do more with it with less budget right and you can get away with more in an animated show i mean just think about the rise of cartoon network from 1997 to 2002 2003 like tsunami yeah you know like i mean that alone tanked any concept of a book series being popular with children you know what i mean like, I can't think of another one besides, say, Harry Potter, but that was so unique and, and further expanded on. They didn't necessarily go... I mean, yeah, 54 books is a lot, but they're a quick read. I mean, they're only, you know, they're maybe 150 pages a pop. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's more like a novella than a novel. Right. So you could kind of speed through them. Also, bigger print for kids, you know, mm-hmm. smaller pages. Yeah, yeah. The scale of it all is still broken down into, like, children's bites. Yeah, oh, totally. Yeah, and I think that is why they do kind of kind of get away with, you know, glossing over events or, or bridging events of multiple books into an episode or two-episode arc. Mm-hmm. It makes sense why it didn't make it. Right, yeah. For it, sure. But it's I, I definitely find the story compelling, or at least I did as a kid. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, is it deserving of a reboot? Probably not. Um, you know, I, I don't think that we'll we'll see it again. But yeah, definitely definitely good to to visit it again. Yeah, I, I watching those you know watching those other like crit, critical critique analysis videos of Animorphs, the series and 
you know, the books. It's like, it's just a very expansive world. Oh yeah, that's and for certain. Yeah, it, it goes it goes so many different ways. It's like you can totally see a, a whole fandom developing from it. I, I would I would love to see the fanfic for it. Right. Uh, the only reason I would be interested in seeing a new version would be for what we can do with the CGI again. You know, like mm-hmm. I think that we could definitely do some cool stuff there and drop all the cheese and give it a more. Like I, I think you know, just a single movie treatment could cover the events of the yeah. show. You know what I mean? And or the first initial arc of the novels mm-hmm. uh, if it's written correctly so right. yeah but again i don't think that a studio is necessarily going to put the money behind it especially with i mean is there a following still how many of you were listening to this mm-hmm. that, yeah, it had to be quite a revival yeah to, to get this new generation like i in this, a way nostalgia I see, is a powerful thing though yeah i could see like uh you know maybe perhaps in a different timeline if like netflix back when they were very generous with what mm. shows they were offering say Animorphs had developed it instead of Stranger Things because you know if you had the Duffer Brothers coming up with this well the world needs Stranger Things but I, but I, I get what you mean yes, like if, yeah. there, if oh, there were I, I a Duffer Brothers for it yeah. but yeah that would be interesting like if they had if you, you like give a, a noir version of it you give a big budget and a lot of creative liberties to someone they could really make something really cool I think out of anamorphs. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I agree. If you if you get if you take a lot of liberties, you know, you you couldn't do like a scene for scene remake, you know, no. in, in just a newer format or skin, it wouldn't work. Yeah, I would. I, you know, if it was dark, if there was death involved, you know, mm-hmm. if, if because I, it's it's very '90s Nickelodeon in that respect. Right. Because it is made for children. I do respect it in, in that way, and I do respect it for its nostalgia. But yeah, it would have to be a complete makeover for it to hold, you know, I think any present attention. But Stranger Things. Stranger Things. Uh, have happened. So, David, what is your upcoming comedy schedule? Um, yeah, so I am um, performing all around town. Let's see, what is so on August yep. 20th, I'll be performing at the Lucky Lab Brew Pub on Hawthorne, 7.30 p.m. That's a Saturday night. Awesome. If you've got nothing going on, or if you, you know, if you do and you want to cancel those plans, come see a comedy show. I'll be there. Uh, another big one is September 23rd. I'll be at the comedy at Laurelhurst Park. Oh, which nice. I'm really stoked about. That's a that's huge, super popular uh, comedy show going on right now. And so that's I'm... that's right in the pocket, right at the, like yes. the, the turn of fall. Yeah, and hopefully where people still turn out. So that's that's rad, dude. Hopefully, we won't be consumed by smoke. No, ho- hopefully <laughs> not. Hopefully, we won't get any Eagle Creek repeats. Oh yeah, that's... dude, I'm stoked for you. It's a great show. Um, that's Kickstand, right? Yes. Yeah. And uh, what what mics do you frequent? Because we're here at Haymaker. So do you have, do you have any suggestions for listeners of what what are the what are your favorite mics in the city? Not to put not to put you on blast. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I love. Uh, I just think it through the week. So Monday nights at Underbar, mm-hmm. um, those are great. If you're if you are a comic, um, I definitely recommend signing up because you know there's quite a few folks in town who just love to consume local comedy. That's an excellent one. That's up in Vancouver. Yep. Um, I think it's like eight o'clock on Mondays. Uh, it's it's it re- they really pack it out. Uh, it's not currently happening on Tuesday nights. The Helium Comedy Club open mic. Yep, that's true. Also a great uh, you know just a mic to go and watch all the best local comics. Yep, but in the meantime, you can do uh, you can see Portland Funniest. Yes, Portland Funniest. They're in the semis right now. A lot of comedians that we know, very funny people, or have mm. made it through. So did you make yeah. it through? I, I advanced to the quarterfinals, and then I, I got tough, tough competition. I did not advance to the next round, but yeah. You well, know, there's, de- there's definitely stiff competition. There's a lot yes. of funny people here, for sure. Um, so check that out. But yeah, uh, Wednesdays we have uh, Growler's Tap Room on 82nd mm-hmm. and Arrowwood. Growler's, Arrowwood. Um, uh, Thursdays we have Haymaker and Kelly's. Yes. Uh, Kelly's is earlier in the day. Uh, what Fridays? Fridays are my father's might place. Might be my favorite mic currently. My father's place. Yes, uh, it's, it's a cool spot. A lot of folks turn out. Um, they got the. Uh, it's a diner, so you get great diner food. 
and booze if that's what you're into. That's, that's very that's true. A, that's a solid combo. Those are two true statements. Um, yeah, just a great great night, great hang. Shout out Michael Phelps for putting that on, and shout out to the Mike for sponsoring Science Factual. Yeah. Love those guys, and definitely love putting that on and going there before either a show or the Midnight Mike at Funhouse Lounge. Yeah. Same night on Fridays. Saturdays, there's a lot of shows. Uh, you yeah. Know, there, there's a mic after the Tap That Showcase at Growlers, but Saturdays mostly for shows. And Sundays you can do quite a few mics. Oh yeah, Sundays. Yeah, that's you can a... you can do a, a four. Uh, you can do a, a four of them, but you can also find all of that information on LaughsPDX.com. Uh, I mentioned Brent Lowry's beard earlier. Yes. Uh, that is attached to a face, which is attached to a brain that puts on that website. So thank you, Brent, for providing that resource. And, uh, hey, David, what do you say we go hit this mic? Sounds great. Maybe we'll get drawn. Yes. Maybe we'll transform into animals and try to fuck other animals. I don't know. We'll see. Hey, we'll see. Stranger things have happened. They sure have. (laughs) Thanks, David, for suggesting we open up the time capsule of our youth to rediscover Animorphs. It was nice to relive actual good parts of my childhood for once. Since the beginning of the episode is loaded with info on the Animorph series at large, I'm going to skip over a water cooler fact for today. Besides, covering the finer points of genetic manipulation and profiling would take more time than we have, so I'll spare you from that info dump. For now. I'd like to also thank my sources for today's episode, which include the aforementioned animorphs.fandom.com. Definitely check that out if you're looking to nerd out. TheGamer.com, which has a great article breaking down some of the darker chapters of the series. Wikipedia.com, because if it's on Wikipedia, it must be true. And, of course, IMDB.com, always coming through with some nifty trivia facts. I'm super stoked, my dudes, for next week's episode, for it shall be totally tubular. It's Turtle Time, with a dive into the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtleverse, with guest comedian the insightful Juan Denmark. We met up before the Arrowwood open mic in southeast Portland to turn up the turtle power over some pizza and get into those iconic butt kickers from the sewers we all know and love. Leonardo leads Donatello dust machine. That's a fact, Jack. is cool, but rude. Michelangelo is a party dude. You can catch that episode airing on Tuesday, August 23rd from 8 to 9 a.m. only on Shady Pines Radio. If you haven't already downloaded the Shady Pines Radio app, you're going to want to go ahead and do that there in order to have 24-7 content any old time right there in your pocket. Available for Android, iOS, and on the interwebs at ShadyPinesRadio.com if you just want to stop by for a spell. Speaking of upcoming shows, Science Factual is going to be collaborating with Sound and Vision, which is a podcast and movie series only at the Fourth Wall PDX. Join us on Sunday, August 21st at 6 p.m. for the very first live Science Factual interview with guest Dylan Jones, where we take a look at the classic 90s sci-fi film Jurassic Park. God damn, John Williams just never fucking misses. Immediately following our interview is going to be a comedy roasting of the Jurassic Park film by myself, Dylan, and Sound and Vision's Michael Garcia. Make sure you follow at Science Factual Pod on both Instagram and Facebook for more details. We look forward to seeing you. Hey, check out this awesome set from David at Helium Comedy Club before we skedaddle on out of here. Enjoy. Yeah, I'm from a uh, small town in southern Oregon called Roseburg, Oregon. Yeah, you may have gotten gas there. I, uh, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's I don't know. I didn't I didn't love living in a small town. I didn't really always feel like I like fit in in a small town. It, it's tough. And uh, I live in Portland now, and I sometimes I feel like I don't really fit in here either. It kind of sucks. I'm just like stuck in between two places. I don't know if I really belong in some ways. I don't know. Like, uh, for instance, um, 
like in Portland, I'm like not liberal enough. And then in Roseburg, I'm way too liberal. Uh, in Portland, I am a heterosexual. <laughs> and in Roseburg, I'm kind of queer, which... Uh, <laughs> That's a tough existence, you know? <laughs> you have one salad, and then it's just... <laughs> yeah. One thing I definitely did enjoy about living in a small town, though, is, uh, is dating. I love small-town dating. Dating in a small town is great. Dating in a small town is the best kind of dating, at least for me. Uh, like, I'm not saying I have a low self-esteem. Uh, but I really thrive the most when I'm the only option. <laughs> you know? Like, you can swipe left all you want. It's either me or it's Cliff in Coos Bay. You, you either drive 70 miles towards the ocean or just stay here in town with old Davy arms and legs, you know? <laughs> Have a couple of mocktails and talk about the ducks. <laughs> or... <laughs> I don't know. What do I know about dating? I look like I learned how to masturbate on Wikipedia. <laughs> I... Like I could only go down on a woman if she put like bird seed in it. <laughs> no, I I do really I I really do though appreciate whoever like came up with the the term necking to describe making out. At least, like, because, like, for me, it's like they really hit that nail <laughs> right on the head. It's all neck. <laughs> I guess I think I overshared with that one. I, uh, yeah, I, uh, I love doing stand-up. Stand-up's awesome. It's fun. Uh, it's fun to do stand-up in all kinds of different places. I did stand-up recently uh, in front of this crowd, uh, probably the biggest crowd I've ever performed in front of. No offense. Uh, they were, um, <laughs> they were okay. They laughed at uh, some jokes more than others. I'd say like 70% at least of this crowd were people who would like confidently uh, consider themselves patriots. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, they were mostly fun. They had, I'll, I'll say this about uh, patriots. I really do love uh, their t-shirts. Like, patriots <laughs> as a group, for sure, the most fun t-shirt. Sorry, liberals, it's true. Like, I saw this one patriot at this show. He had this t-shirt uh, with a giant American flag on it. Obviously, uh, with the uh, <laughs> with the caption, "These colors don't run; they reload." <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, I have that symptom too. That's uh, that's IBS." But <laughs> hell yeah, brother! <laughs> I too bleed for my country. I. Uh, No, I, uh, yeah, a lot of people in Portland don't care for patriots. People in Portland, uh, a lot of them, they'll call uh, uh, patriots white supremacists, which uh, at least like my impression of this crowd, I wasn't convinced that they were white supremacists. Like uh, my big impression of this crowd of people is this is people who spent way too much money on firearms and not nearly enough money on skincare. <laughs> and... <laughs> To me, if you are a white supremacist, if you genuinely believe that your skin is the best skin out of all of the skin, put some moisturizer on once in a while. I don't know. 
really buff that out. You know? Like, if you're a white supremacist, skincare should be like numero uno or number one. Yeah, I, uh, all yoga is hot yoga when I'm doing it. You guys are great. I'm Dave.